You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at riverlifefellowship.com. Is I'm going to be talking to you about money. But I want to qualify that, you know, whenever you hear someone speak, if you know a little bit about the person or maybe not, you automatically start explaining why that's for them and not for you, okay? Um, many of you know that I'm a businessman, but most of you know, and many of you don't, that I've lost everything I own twice. Before I moved to North Carolina, I lost everything. After coming to North Carolina and, and riding a wave of success for 10 years, I lost everything when I came here. And that's what qualifies me to speak to you, because I lost everything twice. It has nothing to do with being tall and slim. I'm not. It has nothing to do with being good looking. I am, but it has nothing to do with being good looking. It has nothing to do with being Jewish. My Bible says that the blessings of Abraham are yes and amen to all who believe. It has nothing to do with those. It has to do with seeing your finances the way God sees your finances and making him the Lord of your finances. The whole key to this is not to teach you how to prosper, okay? At the end, we're going to ask the ministry team to come up and pray, but not to pray that God prospers you, okay? To pray that God gives you grace to make him the Lord of your finances and that you can see money the way he sees money. And that's what we're going to pray for. And that, in turn, just like you don't seek tongues, you seek power, and tongues are a result of that power. You seek the Father being the Lord, the Lord of your finances. And prosperity comes as a byproduct of that. Okay? Um, let's put up this scripture first. Exodus 35, 4, 5, 20, 21, and 29. And Moses spake to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded now notice he commanded it, but look how he commands it, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whoso is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whose spirit made him willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. Okay. Now, is that the last one? No, there's 29. Right? The children of Israel brought a willing offering, a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of of Moses. Okay, so here we have a correlation. What are we in the midst of right now? We have got 17 acres of land, and we are getting ready to build the Father's House Ministry. It will be a place for all the things that this book had mentioned, all four points in this book. Okay, back then, they were going to build a tabernacle. Now, they weren't so foolish as to believe that God was actually going to live his house, that man was going to make a house for God to live in, just like we're not foolish that way. But they were going to create a place where the presence of God would dwell. And that's what we want to do. We want to build a place where the presence of God would dwell. God commanded them to bring, but he only commanded them to bring with a willing heart, as their spirit led them to do. Our church has never been about asking for money, and it's not going to become something where we ask for money. But 
This teaching will show you how seeing the Lord as the Lord of your finances and allowing him to create in you, not against your will, but according to his will and your will, the desire to give into the Father's house. And as a result, the funds will be there to do what we need to do when we need to do it. But it's not one of those things where if you don't give, God won't build it. Now, if you don't give, then you just miss out on all God wants to do for you in the building of it. We're getting ready to embark on something where we can participate in something bigger than ourselves. That's exciting. All right, now here's a question. From Abraham to the letting go of the Jews was 430 years. They were not actually in captivity 430 years, only about 120. But from Abraham to then, 430 years, only about twice as old as our nation. About 120 years, 150 years in captivity, about half as long as we've been a nation. Where did these band of Jews hanging out in the desert get all this gold, silver, and brass to give in the first place? Their captors, those who made slaves of them, gave them that as they left Egypt. Okay? I believe that's as significant as the Father's House Tabernacle correlation. We, as Americans, are slaves to our finances, to our abundance of it and to our lack of it. It's our captor is the master we are the slave and God wants to have our captors release to us the finances to give into the building of his tabernacle it's the same thing did you know that faith is mentioned in the new covenant 215 times God must be interested in faith huh salvation's mentioned 218 times money is only mentioned 2084 times in the new testament 10 times more. Why? Because God is after your money? Hmm. God is after our heart. Notice the difference between the rich young ruler, God says, give it all away, and Zacchaeus. You know how much money Jesus told Zacchaeus to give away? Zero. Zacchaeus had the heart to give it away to everybody he wronged, and that much more, above and beyond what he'd taken from them. God didn't have to say anything to Zacchaeus about his money. He knew that it wasn't his Lord, for the rich young ruler was his Lord. The key to financial prosperity is very simple. Make Jesus the Lord of your finances and look at your finances the way he does. Now this I got, there's a guy, what's the guy, Weeks, who just beat up his wife? I mean, not a good quote to be quoting, but a great book he wrote on money. This is from him. Prosperity doesn't begin because you, by the way, he was right with the Lord when he wrote this. Prosperity doesn't begin when you give a large offering or because you read some books about getting out of debt. It doesn't begin because you start quoting the word of God. It begins by developing your soul, seeing that God has a plan. This I paraphrase this a little bit. Seeing that God has a plan and a purpose that you are a part of and that money is one tool that he will use to bring it to pass but you will only prosper financially to the extent that you have the right perspective on prosperity, to the extent that your soul prospers. Let's look at 3 John 1 and 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God will not prosper you beyond where your soul prospers. God will not prosper you beyond where your character is regarding money. God will not give you so much money that you can screw up your life and go to hell. 
he'll prosper you to the extent your soul prospers, to the extent that you understand why he is prospering you and for what purpose he is prospering you, he will prosper you. Okay? Matthew 6, 24. And this is a key. This is the key to the right way of looking at money, okay? No one can serve two masters. He'll either hate one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is not money. Mammon was a god, just like um, Baal or any of the other gods. Mammon was a god. And it was a god that was fighting the real god for the right to be served. That's what you can't. You can't be, God wasn't saying, Jesus wasn't saying you shouldn't serve God and mammon, or it's wrong to serve God and mammon. He's saying it's impossible to serve God and to serve mammon. You cannot be pregnant and not pregnant at the same time. It's virtually impossible. You cannot serve God and serve mammon at the first time. Mammon is the spirit that competes with God to be served. Mammon is the spirit that makes you see money as your provision. If you're taking notes, that's key number one. Money is not your provision. God is your source. God is your provision. The provision is Jesus himself. And he doesn't reduce himself to finite, not backed by gold, dollars that can't even be used to burn for heat, unless you got tons of it. Mammon makes you see money as power. Isn't that why so many people want to be rich so they can be powerful? Aren't they synonymous with each other? Mammon makes you see it that way. It makes you love money, trust money, be loyal to money, and call money the almighty dollar. Those are all things that mammon does in all of our lives. It is the spirit that makes you see money as the master rather than the slave. Any of you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? It's a great book. Maybe we'll sell it some other time. Yeah, see who I Rich Dad, Poor Dad says something so simple. You give a dollar to a poor person, he spends it and has nothing. Give a dollar to a middle-class guy, and he leverages it and goes further in debt. Give money to a rich guy, and he invests it and buys what he wants off of the investment. In other words, poor people work for their money. Rich people have their money work for them. Poor people are a slave to their master money. Who works for who? Does the master work for the slave, or does the slave work for the master? Well, if you're only working for your money, then it is the master and you're the slave. But if it's working for you by not just investing, but using God's principles, then your money is the slave and you are the master of it. And mammon likes it the other way around. Mammon is the spirit that makes you see God as a means to an end. How many times has every one of us been guilty about doing a, an altar call or asking for, myself included, too many times of asking for a offering by saying, give and God will give back. That makes God the slave. It makes him the means to your end. What's the end of that statement? Getting back. It stops there. But the key is, is that God will use money as a means to bring his will to pass. Now, not in everything. There's billions of things that God doesn't use money for, but specifically for this teaching, for the things that God does use finances for, what he does use money for, it becomes the means to the end. The means is the money. The end is the will of God in your life. You know, we started out this year just sitting back and saying, what an incredible year we have in front of us on the things God put on our plate. I knew I was supposed to go to Israel this year. 
and I knew I was supposed to take Lizzie and, and Andrew, three plane tickets to Israel. I knew that we were supposed to go to Argentina, four plane tickets to Argentina. I knew that we were supposed to go to a wedding in Jersey. I knew we were supposed to pay for a wedding for Andrew and a reception and honeymoon in Argentina. I knew that these were all things that God had put on my plate. I didn't know, but I'm leaving Thursday to go back to Israel. I won't be playing rugby because I'll be waking up in Jerusalem Saturday morning. But with <laughs> I'll be better off, believe me. I'll be at the wall Friday night. This Friday night, I will be at the wall. <clears throat> and by the way, I want to say I don't hate Arabs. I love Arabs. One of the things I'm doing this month or this week is I'm going to be working in Bethlehem with Arabs. God wants to bless the children of Ishmael as much as he wants to bless the children of Isaac. He just doesn't want him to, them to give away the land he told them not to, nor give it to people who want to destroy and annihilate them. I just want to make that clear. I'm not anti-Arab. Amen. I know you're not. <laughs> okay, so where are we here? Let's look at some of scriptures regarding money, okay? 1 Timothy 6, 17, and 18. And gosh, time is going so fast. Charge them that are rich in this world that they not be high-minded, not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly to enjoy all things, and then they, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So, do you want a cow? There's two things God's telling you about your cow. Let's go back. First thing he's telling you, when you get your cow, do not be high-minded about the fact that you have a cow. Because remember, you have to clean up a cow's crap, okay? You have to milk that cow or it'll get mastitis, okay? There's work. The Bible says that where there's no ox, the stable's clean. Real nice, like a good housekeeping picture of the home. But where the ox is and is the increase. So where the crap is, that's where the increase is. It's great to have a house that looks like good housekeeping. I'd rather have one torn apart because the grandkids are there. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in those riches. So that's what you're not supposed to do if you have a cow. But here's the purpose of your cow. Next one, to give it away, to distribute it. That's why God wants to give you a cow. The first question you have to ask yourself is, do I want a cow? Yes. Why do I want the cow? Because why does God want me to have the cow? It's to distribute. Okay? Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith. Anybody here have the gift of prophecy? Okay. Anybody here not have the gift of prophecy, but yet you've still prophesied from time to time? Yes. Okay. Or ministry, let us wait on ministering. Teaching on teachers. Anybody here have the gift of teaching? Okay. For those of you who don't, does it preclude you from teaching ever? No. Okay. He that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth. You ever think that giving is actually a gift, that God gives some people the gift of giving? Okay. Now, why does he give the gift of giving? So you'll give. And what does he do to those? He, those are that he has the gift of prophecy. Does he first have to give them the prophecy for them to give it away? And does he first have to give you the teachings to give away? You want a cow? You need the money? He'll give you the money to give it away. Let him do it with simplicity. You know what the word simplicity means? When I first read that, it sounds like, begrudgingly or, or um, you know, a little bit. Let, it, let them do it with simplicity. Here's a dollar. So I looked it up in the Greek. Here's what simplicity means. Bountiful, liberally, and not self-serving. Totally different from what you think. Okay? If you want to give, that's how you're supposed to give. Okay? And with cheerfulness. God loves a cheerful giver. Better to give $100 laughing than 1000 begrudgingly. 
Ephesians 4.28. Let him who steal, stole, steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good so that he can have enough for himself, that he may have to give to him that needeth. The whole purpose of going to work Monday morning is to have more money than you need for yourself. That's your purpose for going to work. If you pray, God, just give me enough to pay my bills and put good shoes on my children's feet, it's a selfish prayer. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to have enough so that you not only take care of everything, but that you have to give. Now let's look at Leviticus 23:22. This is where it's going to get real good, okay? This is what God told the Jews who owned lands, probably the richer Jews, right? Landowners. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not make a clean sweep of the corners of your field when you reap. Neither should you gather any gleanings of the harvest. That means the stuff that fell out of the machine as you went along. Thou shalt, they probably didn't have machines then. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. What is God saying in that? Very clear. You have a field, you're blessed with a field. Don't strip it clean. When you go around the corners, leave the corners. Because there's people that don't own fields. People that can't get work. People that are going to be in your midst. Strangers who come to your door. People in your own congregation. What is that saying to you? When you go to buy a house, don't figure out the most you can pay on a mortgage. When you go to buy a car, don't figure out the highest car payment you can afford. Make sure when you're doing your budget that you leave the corners because there's going to be strangers that you meet on the street, like the guy in front of you who doesn't have enough money for his food or who's out of gas on the side of the road or those within your midst who you hear of a need for. That's the purpose of it, okay? And then it says, um, you're still leaving poor stranger money, and then he ends it, I am the Lord your God. Why does he end it that way? He's saying your fields, your harvest, your job is not your provision. I am your provision. I am the Lord. You don't need to get every single dime that you can get out of that field. I am the Lord. I'll supply it. If you do the very opposite of what you think, if you leave food in the field, I will supply. If you take every bit you can, then you're the Lord of your finances. Okay? So go be blessed. But God's not the Lord because you've made him not the Lord, but he'll be the Lord. Now, here's where it gets real good. Read Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22. <clears throat> this happened to me. Are we dead? Oh, no. You'll work on it, right? Okay, basically he says if you're out in the field and you leave one of your plows, just leave it there. If you forget this or forget that, leave it there. could be that a stranger will come along. I lost my tailor-made rack eight iron on the ninth hole at Warrior, and someone stole it, and I was upset with it until I read this this week. Okay, Lord, bless him. He can have my eight iron. It was there for that purpose, okay? Leave it there. Leave the droppings. Leave it all for the same purpose as Leviticus. Now, here's something that is so cool. In Ruth, okay? Ruth is a Moabite, all right? This guy, Naomi's son, sees her and marries her. She's not a Jew. He shouldn't even be marrying her, okay, back then. Then she goes ahead and marries him, and then he dies. So what does this young, attractive Moabite woman do? Does she say, okay, you know, I'm free. According to the scripture, I'm free to leave you, Naomi, and go off and do my thing. I'm allowed to. No, she says, Naomi, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'm going to stay and take care of you. 
No, he says, no, 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 you're young, attractive. Go make a life for yourself. She says, no, I'll stay with you. Then what does she do? She takes advantage of these scriptures because they obeyed God, and she goes out to get the gleanings from the field. That's what she's going to do. So she's out. Now, the Bible says she happened to go into Boaz's field. She didn't happen. God sent her there. Okay? And then Boaz happens to come by and see her, this young, foxy-looking Moabite chick who must be so foxy that now two Jewish men want her, okay? And she marries him, okay? End of story. Something Hollywood would do. Here, the sacrificial, the lesser always, the greater always includes the lesser. Naomi, or, or Ruth, in order to serve mother-in-law Naomi, goes and God provides food for her. So in providing food for Naomi, guess what? Ruth got hers provided for either. And then, even better, she gets a husband. They get married. They live happily ever after. End of story. No. You see, your financial blessing is for the purposes of God. He is allowing you to be involved in something he's doing. Therefore, if you need additional resources to do that, he provides them. Here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Is there any chance of getting that on for Schindler? Excellent. Okay. So here's what happens with Ruth. Ruth marries Boaz, and they have a little boy, Obed. Obed grows up. He gets married. He has a little boy, Jesse. Jesse grows up. He gets married. He has a little boy, King David. King David has a lineage, Jesus. Every person in this room today is not an indirect, but is a direct blessing. You are blessed by what Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, did. Do you realize that? You are a recipient of the blessing of Ruth serving her mother-in-law, going out in the field, having food because of the principle God put in place in the first place that there'd be food for her, to find Boaz, to get Obed, to get Jesse, to get King David, to birth Jesus so that you can have eternal life. Is that incredible? Are you getting the picture now of what money is? It's a slave. It's a tool. It's a, something in God's hand to use. Now, how does he do it? He does it like he does everything he's done since creating Adam. Do you realize that you can search scriptures and you can't find anything God does on the earth that he doesn't do through men? He wants to part the Red Sea? Moses. He wants to bring water from a rock? Moses. He wants to bring salvation to man? Jesus. He wants to heal a person? Lay hands. Everything God does on the earth, he does through man because he gave man dominion. So when God wants to release his finances into the earth, he does it through man. When God wants to build the Father's house, he does it through man. That's how he does it. We have reversed the tool. We use God as a tool to get money. God uses money as a tool to accomplish things in his will. We use God as a means and money as an end. God uses money as a means and his will as an end. We see money as our provision and God as our source. God sees himself as our source and our provision. We limit God to providing for us through finite money. That's just paper, not even backed by gold. When I was ready to buy my house, right after losing everything, God provided a way for us to uh, buy a house, but we had to put a chunk of money down on it, and I was closing a food line shopping center loan, 
and I was going to have the money, and I get at the closing table, and long story short, it couldn't close because the, the bank had a lockout and blah, blah, blah. It was going to take 90 more days to get it done, and we didn't have our money. And God said, I did this. I did this just to make sure that you still realize that your job is not your provision, that your loans is not what provides for you, that I'm giving you this house. And we got the money at, 11, at 6 o'clock at night, the, the night before the 11 o'clock the next day closing to close our house. Chuck lives in a farm that God supernaturally gave him, the desire of his heart, and he didn't use it by just giving Chuck the money for Chuck to go pay for the farm. Jim Hill was just telling me the other day that, that, that his heart mission was birthed over there at Ken Helser's farm, and that Ken Helser came to him, Ken Helser came to him and said, I'm giving you $1,000 that I've been saving up to buy a tractor because I want to make it a seed money for his heart missions. You know how many people have been saved and healed and delivered as a result of his heart missions? And Ken Helser played a part in that by giving the $1,000. Well, now he doesn't have the 1000 for his tractor. Somebody gave him a better tractor than the one he was saving up for. God is not limited to just the dollar. There's so many ways that he can provide and bless. If you put him in the dollar box that is tied directly to your weekly paycheck, that's all the God you'll have. If you let him outside the box, man, what he can do for you. We have more at our disposal than Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Tiger Woods all together. Bill Gates makes his money from technology. Warren Buffett makes it from stocks and the market. Tiger Wood makes it from sports and endorsements. And all they have is just what's in their account. We have God. We have limitless, unconditional, not tied to any market God who has all the money. And those guys can go out and do bad with their money. They can give to Planned Parenthood. By the way, if you haven't watched the movie Bella, go watch the movie Bella, okay? Support that movie. It's an awesome movie. But we could give our money. They can give their money to Planned Parenthood. They can do all kinds of wrong with their money. God's not going to give you millions to do wrong with. He'll only give you millions to do his will with. And he'll only give you the millions if you've already established in your heart that you're going to do what he's called you to do with it. Whatever he's called you to do, he'll supply the needs to do it. The key is that the abundance is for the purpose of doing his will and not to be rich as an end in itself. That's the key. I was listening to something the other day that was, they did this thing about, you know, God's calling Joseph's out of this group. And everybody cheered and got excited. And I thought, why did you cheer and get excited? You know, it's responsibility. It's stewardship. There's a, there's a, you know, woe to the teacher. He'll stand before first teaching. Woe to those that are rich in this world. They'll stand before the Lord for what they did with the riches. It's a sobering thing. Do you really want the cow? It's a sobering thing. It really is. I was sitting in Chick-fil-A one day when I was totally broke, the second time I'd lost everything, and they had those things, you know, that his sort of chronological thing there, and I saw Windshape University, Home for Foster Kids, and I cried out to God. I said, see, God, that's what I want to do. And God said, I didn't know you had a burden for underprivileged children. And I said, I don't. <laughs> I just want to do something really lofty like that, you know, something that'll carry my name beyond my lifetime. You know? The pro <laughs> I wanted a cow, but I didn't have the burden for the reason I wanted the cow. You know? Have you ever watched Home Improvement Makeover, uh, Extreme Maker Home Improvement? And you ever desired to be able to do what they do for people, to find somebody like that and buy them a house? Okay. Have you ever paid anybody's mortgage? I mean, you may not be able to buy them a house, but you may be able to pay their mortgage this month. If you can't pay their mortgage, have you ever thought about paying their electric bill when they don't have it to pay? 
You know, I remember one time we had a situation where we didn't have enough money for our mortgage, but we heard about somebody who was going to lose their house if they didn't pay theirs, and we gave because we had enough for their mortgage. We gave to their mortgage, and then God provided our mortgage. You know, it's, it's that looking out beyond yourself. You take care of who God's told you to take care of. God takes care of you. You see, we believe that when we become well-to-do, we will start to bless others. I've had so many people that have talked to me in business that says, you know, I really want to make it big so I can start to give. And I always ask them the same thing. What are you giving now? Well, I'm not rich yet. And you never will be from God. Maybe from yourself. But you start with where you are. You don't wait to get to a place to do what God's called you to do. All right. We're going to watch something from Schindler's List. Let me set this up for you, and if we can have someone dim the lights when we get ready to play it. Here's the deal on Schindler's List. It's the end of the war. Everybody know who Schindler is? I've been to his grave. I've been to the very tombstone they show at the end of the thing. He's buried in Israel. And he's the only tombstone that has rocks on it because in the whole cemetery because it's the only grave that the Jews come and visit. But Schindler's at the end of the war, just like one day we'll be at the end of our life. And the reality of what he did with his money hits him hard. Like I think it will for us too. He realizes that he doesn't have a chance to save any more Jews. And he makes a statement. It's low, so I want to make sure I bring this out that you get it. He says, if only I'd made more money. And then he stopped and said, if only I didn't throw so much of it away. I threw so much away. You have no idea. When we get to the end of our lives, do we want to be remembered for how much we took in or do we want to be remembered for how much we gave away? Let's watch this clip. It really makes it real. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if I just... Generations. 
of what you did. I didn't do enough. You did so much. This car. Oh God, what about this car? Why did I keep the car? Ten people right there. Ten people. Ten more people. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for it. At least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. Person, Stan. For this. I could have got one more person. I mean, that's real, and we'll all be there one day. And so going back to the fact that we're really not doing an emotional campaign to ask people for money, but truly believing that God wants to move all of us into a place of being able to have to give. And remember, when you have to give, then all your needs are taken care of. I gotta be honest with you, I am rich. I'm very rich. I have a beautiful wife, boxier than Ruth. I have five awesome kids that all love the Lord. I have three daughter-in-laws that love the Lord. I have six grandkids, four here, one in my daughter-in-law's belly and one playing at the feet of Jesus. I have a house I like. I have a home that I love. All things that money can't buy. And from a financial standpoint, I have enough money to pay my bills and money left over to help others. You don't get any more rich than that. And that's what God wants for all of us. It really, really is. For his purposes. So if we could have the ushers come up, what we're going to do is we're going to kick off the Father's House Capital Campaign Program. We're going to hand out these envelopes for you to pray over and to mail back we don't want an offering today the offering will be the books you buy pray over these envelopes and ask God what do you want me to give if anything to the father's house over the next three years a three-year commitment now on the card it'll have a place if you just want to make a one-time pledge or it'll have a place if you want to make a pledge once a year for three years or if you want to break that down to 36 monthly payments and just pay it like a regular bill each month. Pray about what God wants you to give. And don't let it be just what's in your budget. Because God will supply above and beyond as you stretch him. But pray, don't just write. And don't even send them back, bring them back next week. Make sure they're in by the end of December. So you really have time to get before the Lord on this. And then we'll go from there. But again, this is about Bill. I want to read just one thing in the Father's heart that this really, it's number four. It is a house of prayer. Prayer is not merely a means by which we get something for ourselves from God, although that's a legitimate purpose of it. It's also an opportunity for us to cooperate with God in something He wants for Himself. That's what this is all about. 
okay? And then I want to have the ministry team, well, go ahead, ushers, you can go ahead and pass those out. And just, and, and I'd encourage you to, grab one of these envelopes for your kids. Let your kids become part of this. And, and it doesn't matter if we have a million dollars pledged. I'd rather have $100,000 pledged by 70 people than I would a million dollars pledged by four. You know what I mean? Just ask God, God, Exodus, the building of the tabernacle. What have you already given me that you want me to give? And what do you want me to believe for to give? And put that down there. And remember, it's a willing heart. That's all that we want is a willing heart. No compulsion to give. Nobody's going to know what you pledged except for the people recording it. And it doesn't matter what you give as far as you're standing in this church or any of that kind of nonsense that goes along with this. This is totally different. Okay? I want to also ask the ministry team to come up. And I want us to pray for you if you want prayer. But I don't want to pray that God will prosper you financially. I want to pray that God will give you the grace that you need to make him the Lord of your finances and to be able to see money the way that he sees it.